0: Welcome
1: to Mona Moments, a podcast hosted by the Museum of Northwest Art, located in La Conner, Washington. The Museum of Northwest Art resides on the land of the Coast Salish peoples, specifically the Swinomish Indian tribal community. With gratitude, we honor their stewardship of these lands since time immemorial to the present day. This land acknowledgment does not take the place of authentic relationships with Indigenous communities. In this episode of MONA Moments, you'll hear guest curator Chloe Dye-Sherpy interviewing artist Jackie Catalina Schaefer and scientist Dr. Jamie Donatuto about their collaboration for the 2023 Surge exhibition at MONA. Surge, mapping transitions, displacement, and agency in times of climate change is the fourth iteration of this exhibition at the Museum of Northwest Art where an artist and a scientist collaborate to produce a work around climate change and its impacts.
2: Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this Mona podcast um, about the Surge exhibition, Surge, Mapping, Transition, Displacement, and Agency in Times of Climate Change. My name is Chloe DeSherpe, um, and I'm the guest curator for this exhibition. Before we get started into our conversation, I think it's important to Um, read the museum's land acknowledgement. The Museum of Northwest Art resides on the land of the Coast Salish people, specifically the Swinomish Indian tribal community. With gratitude, we honor their stewardship of these lands since time immemorial to the present day. I think it's also important to note that this land acknowledgement does not take the place of authentic relationships with Indigenous communities. We have a wonderful conversation planned um, for today about this exhibition, Um, and I'll just introduce myself before I pass it on to two of our guests here today. As I said, my name is Chloe DeSherpe. I'm the guest curator of SURGE, Mapping, Transition, Displacement, and Agency in Times of Climate Change. It's been an honor to come to the museum to guest curate this exhibition. Um, I'm an independent curator and writer. I also am the curator of the Lumiere Group, which is an art consultancy based in Seattle, Washington. Um, And we work with clients on art lifecycle management, and I manage our relationships with artists and galleries and acquisition strategy for various clients throughout the United States and Canada. Um, and with that um, i want to pass it to our artist jackie to um introduce herself and talk a little bit about her, her artistic practice so jackie go ahead
0: thanks chloe um uh, nelogemechiska jackie um I am Jackie Catalina Schaefer. I am Inupiaq from the community, born and raised in the community of Kotzebue, Kikik which is on the northwest coast of Alaska. Um, and I was raised in a very traditional lifestyle. I currently am the director of climate initiatives at the Alaska Native Tribal Health Consortium. And at the consortium, my job is to work with our 229 federally recognized tribes across the state. Um, as they transition into a new way of living due to climate impacts. And um, that kind of crosses over into my um, worldview of being raised in a very indigenous lifestyle. And art and creativity and that interconnection with the planet um, has always been a piece of my world. Um, Therefore, it's not separate. Um, And so I think that the art piece really speaks to that. Um, indigenous people across the globe feel that they have been bestowed this great responsibility for the land air and sea and all of the creatures that inhabit the land alongside us and so we're not separate from that environment we are part of it and so this sense of responsibility is greater than just an emotional tie it's that intimate interconnection that is tied to all the spirits and aspects of the earth so therefore um, I think that that really is uh, my interconnection to this piece of art, and I will pass that off now to Jamie for her introduction.
3: Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Chloe. My name is Jamie Donatuto, and I'm the Community Environmental Health Analyst for the Swinomish Indian Tribal Community. It's a pleasure to be here today and speaking with both of you. Uh, I've had the honor of working for the Swinomish tribe for the last 23 years, and also the honor and privilege of learning uh, from many tribal community members, which has also shaped my worldview about how humans are so interconnected to all other aspects of the natural world and the other beings that are in it. And I have Worked with Jackie uh, for the past year and a half on a climate change project. Uh, we've known each other for a couple of years. And when she was offered this opportunity at Surge to be the one of the guest artists, and she asked me to be a contributing scientist to it, it was, it was an exciting moment for me and something that I'm really proud of being able to do just to be in support of a really strong Indigenous voice and help spread the word uh, about climate change and climate change impacts and and some of the adaptation measures that, that Indigenous peoples are leading the world in. So thank you. Thank you, Jamie.
2: Thank you both for being here with me today to record this podcast for the museum. I want to give a brief overview of the exhibition, and then um, we'll get to the main part of the podcast, which is hearing about your project for the exhibition. This is the fourth iteration of Surge, and I think it's so uh, appropriate that you both already mentioned interconnectedness, because that has really been the theme of this exhibition series since the very beginning. Um, As in the previous editions, this exhibition engages artists to work with environmental researchers and educators to present the public with new perspectives on issues such as flooding, storm surge, coastal erosion, glacier retreat, all of this through exhibits, lectures, and education programs. And that had, of course, been the focus in the three previous editions of Surge, but for this fourth edition, We really wanted to also specifically talk about the human impact, and that's how we landed on the subtitle, which is Mapping, Transition, Displacement, and Agency, really, as uh, Jackie has already mentioned, talking about um, the very tangible human impact, um, and again, this interconnectedness that all these different aspects work um, with each other during this really challenging time and very kind of dynamic time um, in our environment. So um, with that, I want to pass it back to um, our artists and scientists just to give an overview of their project. And then we'll have a couple discussion questions. So um, why don't you go ahead and provide just an, an overview of your art project?
0: Yeah, you know, this is something that is kind of, again, just part of my whole world. Um, I've been working with the community of Nuktaq for well over a decade. They are a small Yupik community, and they are the first community that has to fully relocate to uh, a completely different place um, due to climate impacts. Uh, The community faces not only river erosion due to tidal influence, but also uh, degrading permafrost and uh, severe storm surges that have basically chomped away at their community in the last decade. And so the, the human piece that has to adapt um, is kind of twofold here because the, the Western constraints that prohibit us from timely adaptation um, totally is the opposite of what our traditional way of living was. So this project is really about sharing that story. So indigenous populations in Alaska uh, migrated with their food resources until Western contact. Then they were forced to live in a specific area, all of them on the coast of either a river or the shoreline of the sea in the ocean, um, which put them in a vulnerable Uh, position to begin with. And so this trauma and this forced location is now forcing them into a forced relocation (laughs) due to the actual um, process in which it was enacted. And so traditional people are very adaptable because they uh, migrate, you know, throughout this uh, land-based relationship. And it's not very far, it's pretty isolated. And and their food resources are, you know, this small imprint, but it's constantly moving with nature. So there there is no disruption in that process. But Western contact forced this disruption, forced them to be in one place. The threat was either you stay here or we'll take your children. Um, That's a pretty um, dynamic trauma to live through. But... But they survived. And so, and now they're being forced to relocate yet again. So, really, this project is about that. Where do we find that intersect between traditional ways of living and that traditional knowledge system and that traditional worldview and the intersect science? Because if they had the modern tools, could they have adapted differently if we didn't have those? barriers and constraints to access funding, because now it's based on money, not people. And so everything in response to climate change is based on money. Either we're waiting for money or it has to make money. And so there's this this intersect. Um, and then science is um, having to prove not only the earth science, But this traditional knowledge system that doesn't fit into uh, Western science uh, ways of thinking, and I'll give a quick example, is the intimate relationship with the ice. So this, this community is isolated. You have to fly into it, and you have a period in the fall when the water is freezing to ice. And then you have that same period, about six to eight weeks in the spring when the ice is turning into water. But that relationship with that transition is very intimate to the Yupik people of that area, as it it is to all indigenous populations that live in that traditional way of living. And so Western science may have a science expert in, say, Colorado or Arizona um, that is looking through a, a technology lens, but they don't have that intimate relationship like the people do. And so where is that intersect and how do we learn from each other. And really, this is really the summary of this project is to work with scientists like Jamie who are starting to understand that there is space that could be created for this dialogue. And I'll pass it off to Jamie. Thanks, Jackie.
3: I really Ever since I've met Jackie, I've just really appreciated her gentle ways of explaining that there's more than one way of knowing and that there are multiple knowledge systems and and to be able to not only recognize them, but to, to bolster them and to support them and uplift them. And I remember one of the things that a Swinomish elder once told me was, hey, you can't give thanks over a can of spam. And I just looked at him and I remember thinking... I'm not exactly sure what he's meaning but it and and then he, I remember he looked at me and he's like it's a time release thing it's going to take you a while to figure out. And really what he was saying was now that I've thought about it for many years is that there are practices and ways of being and knowing that as westerners we just don't understand because we don't have the same connections to the land to the waters to the airs and so While many Western folks in society are faced with issues of climate change, and impacts of climate change, relocation doesn't have the same sort of impacts that it does for people who have a very different way of knowing and being in connection. And for instance, with traditional foods, he was saying, you know, to to have stewardship and to be able to understand those connections between your food and how you harvest it and why you harvest it and when you harvest it. And when you give thanks and and how you share it, these are all part of a world system that many Westerners just don't know about. And so when we think about, for instance, climate change impacts of relocation or impacts to food security and food sovereignty, we think, oh, this one resource is disappearing, we can substitute it with something else. But really what he was saying is, well, you you can't, you can't for for many indigenous peoples who have a very special connection and relationship to these more than human beings. And so, you know, instead of, for instance, if if he couldn't go out and harvest salmon, but instead the government is saying, here's your can of spam, it's the same nutritional value. He's saying, no, that, that doesn't work. You can't give thanks the, in the same way. It's not a reciprocal relationship. And so I think being able to, to explore those ideas and share those ideas is super helpful in thinking about ways to move forward for everybody in the context of climate change and adaptation. And that's one of the reasons why I really loved the piece that Jackie did and, and thinking about what it depicts and and what it means
2: thank you both for these comments I I have a couple kind of takeaways or thoughts that came to mind as you were speaking and and the first being of course the work that Jackie has created and I think it's important to note that there is a very strong figure in the artwork um, it's one of only three artworks in the exhibition that have a figure in that artwork and so I I think that In that way, it has that kind of immediate tie-in for the viewer. You know, whenever you have a viewer in an artwork or another figure in an artwork, it creates that kind of very immediate, almost emotional connection to a piece. And so I think that that further underscores, Jackie, your points in this interconnectedness and these long, very deep-rooted connections that people have both to one another, but also to the land and to the surrounding environment. You've also talked about various knowledge systems, and early on, Surge was, was predicated on the idea that art can provide a different way of communication. So allowing some of these really important, really key, both scientific, but also cultural systems and understanding and research that that can be communicated through art. And I'm, I'm curious to hear from both of you, um, what your view is on art and the role that it can have in this climate discussion.
0: Yeah. You know, so I know I've said it before, but really there is no separation in my world. Art is part of who we are and it's, it's our way of expressing. So, Uh, My family has been in the same geographic area on the planet, enjoying the same foods for over 500 generations. And we have a no-waste way of living. Prior to Western Contact, there was no waste. There was no waste management. There was no waste system. There was no waste. Every part of the animal or plant was used in some way. And it's those little pieces that weren't your food or medicine that became art pieces. And so that interconnection to art is no different than talking about the ice. It it's one in the same. And so I think that again, if you look at human evolution over time, it's the art and the music and the connection to the planet that has sustained humanity over time. The philosophers and the artists were huge parts of um, the visioning of how we stayed in a place that adapted and transitioned so that we could continue to live as humans on this planet. And so I think we have to remember that, that I have yet to be in a forum anywhere, even at the UN level where we have philosophers standing up, sharing the space for discussion. So art to me is where we can infuse that philosophy into the discussion of climate change. And, and to me, as an indigenous person, it's very easy for me not to disconnect those conversations or topics, you know, sectors, um, but for Westerners, especially in American Western academia, we have separated them all out. They're no longer all one. They're separated. And so that's where I think we're going to have to look internally as we transition into the future is uh, how do we reconnect not only those um, elements of humanity, um, but that interconnection with nature, because it, it is a mirror effect. It's not separate.
2: Thanks, Jackie. I really appreciate that, the comment that you're making as someone who spent some time in academia, and you know, perhaps Jamie can speak to this as well, how challenging it can be in that setting to have an interdisciplinary discussion. And so I think that your point is right on, and it certainly resonates with me in um, how important it is to bring different disciplines together that have been separated when really I think they can become so much more powerful and nuanced and productive and deep if they're actually integrated and interconnected. Jamie, I'm curious to know what
3: your thoughts are. You know, I, I agree completely. and And to me, just listening to both of you, I have this sense, you know, we're talking about community and the importance of community and these connections. But I think that we can also translate that into what's happened in academia with the separation is almost a breakdown of community. And so there's these silos that aren't speaking to each other when, when, if they can be brought together, there are synergies that exist where people can work across fields and have openness and understanding that they aren't necessarily experts, but everybody's there. They all have a role. Uh, and all of those people can work together as in, in a community because I think that's really the only way we can move forward and art is one of those ways of breaking down some of those barriers so I I fully appreciate the opportunities that art can provide in that way. Do either of you have any
2: advice for individuals, whether they're scientists, artists, or maybe just someone who's really interested in this conversation, do you have any advice for them if they're considering collaborating with professionals in other fields? So how to kind of try to break down these barriers from your experience or from what you've observed? What would you tell them? You know,
0: having worked in this space and and facing the challenges of sometimes two worldviews, don't mirror each other. Sometimes they're completely opposite. And so you you have those, uh, uncomfortable spaces where maybe you have to just simply accept that there's going to be two ways of projecting or sharing and that's okay. So my advice would be to make sure that you don't always have to be right and they don't have to always be right there. Sometimes you're just side by side, holding hands, sharing information in two different, very different ways sometimes. But there, it's still sharing. And and it's like watching uh, two children who speak two foreign languages play together. And language is not a barrier. Love is a bond, right? <laughs> and and they still do the same kid things. And so I guess my advice too would be, you know, to not be such a rigid adult and and be a little creative and playful and, and think about that as you're having uncomfortable spaces and hard discussions because it's okay. I think as adults, we forget that. Yeah,
2: maybe forget that it's okay to have a disagreement, or it's okay to feel uncomfortable right. every once in a while. If it leads to, you know, I think a a tough conversation, but maybe one that that makes you both stronger, or think about something in a new way. This kind of curiosity, creativity comes out of sometimes these really difficult discussions.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think in order to get to that curiosity and creativity, adults need to remember what vulnerability is and, and really lead, you know, not coming into a space as quote unquote experts, but with a humbleness that they're there to learn from others. And that's part of the sharing. And as, you know, Jackie said, people may not agree. They may have very different worldviews, but that doesn't mean that, Something positive can't come out of even just listening to another person or another group of people, as long as that openness, that curiosity is there.
2: And I have to share... Early, very early on in Surge. I think it was the first exhibition. We did a lot of exercises with our partners, which is SC Squared, the Skagit Climate Science Consortium. And I just have to give that team so much credit because we did so much work back and forth on the interpretive text for that show. And they came with really fantastic, in-depth, scientific interpretation, and we we did this exercise going back and forth, you know, discussing what would be accessible to the public, you know, how do we have these really in-depth, very data- rooted text available to visitors to the museum. And, you know, I I think both of your points about being vulnerable, you know, coming into a conversation ready to learn, ready to have difficult conversations, that interaction with the Skagit Climate Science Consortium always comes to mind when I think about that. Now, in our last minute or so, I just wanted to provide you both the opportunity to um, share anything else about participating in surge or your collaboration that you had together. you know I know that the collaboration is such a unique aspect for this show at least it's something when I talk to colleagues in the field they're always surprised um, at how you know wonderful these collaborations are. So I just wanted to give you both a moment if there's anything else that you wanted to share about your partnership.
0: Yeah, I just, you know, I truly appreciate and adore uh the work that Jamie does and I think it's like, you know, that's it's that sisterhood of shared space that and way of thinking that we we really do appreciate that. But I do want to share, you know, something that is great to remind everyone um as we build relationships and move, you know, forward in time that Despite countless acts of genocide and historical injustices inflicted by colonization and indigenous communities across the globe continue to safeguard the planet's biodiversity and indigenous people's lands host 80% of the world's biodiversity, yet they constitute just 5% of the world's population. And that's taken from the UN uh, Biodiversity Compat- uh, Conference on- impacts on indigenous communities and. In a and as an Indigenous person, I just want to share that I know that we can work side by side and that we could bridge those two worldviews, because I do it every time I have conversation with my dear friend, Jamie, who's science and very intelligent. <laughs> <So> thank you.
3: <laughs> oh, thank you, Jackie. I guess Jackie's a tough act to follow. Um, <laughs> I would just say that I think as a western scientist it's just it's important to remind ourselves that we have grown up in one certain mindset and that indigenous folks have been forced to grow up in multiple mindsets and it's great that people are really excited to work with Indigenous communities, but it's also, it's key to understand that it's going to take years and years and years to understand a different worldview. And the best thing that us Western folks can do is to listen and, and to be in support of the folks that already know, who are mostly the Indigenous folks who have who have been in these multiple worldviews for so long and we have a lot to learn, but I think that there's a lot of information that's already known that will help us all to move forward in, in what needs to be done in a fairly rapid manner in the context of climate change. So I have hope.
2: (laughs) Well, I, I appreciate both of you sharing this optimistic view of how, we as a society, as a community can move forward together. I think that this topic can feel very overwhelming. And so having the opportunity to listen to individuals like yourself, I think can be very powerful and very uplifting. And Jamie, as you said, a reminder to approach this topic with some humility and an openness to learn. And so I just want to thank you both for taking the time to have this conversation today. It's been an honor to listen and to learn from you both and to be participating in this exhibition with you for those of you listening when this podcast airs in November 2023 I just want to share that the exhibition will be on view until January 21st 2024 and if you're listening after the exhibition has closed um, the museum will have more information about this surge as well as previous surge exhibitions up on their website. So for now, um, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Surge Mapping, Transition, Displacement, and Agency in Times of Climate Change is on view at the Museum of Northwest Art from October 14, 2023 to January 21st, 2024. Thank you for listening to this Mona Moment.